Good morning, Nachum. <coughs> Good morning, Shabbos, everybody. Tomorrow we have the privilege of reading Parshas Mishpatim. But before we even get to Parshas Mishpatim, let's first of all acknowledge today is Rosh Chodesh, Rosh Chodesh Adar Rishon, and the month of Adar is that which should give us the inspiration as it reminds us that really we should celebrate Purim in this month. The rabbis teach us that we want the smichus of Purim to Pesach, so we wait to celebrate next month, but there is the element of Simcha that's already coming forth in this month, and Emir Hashem, we should be Zohar, all of Klai Yisrael, to see Simcha for Am Yisrael, Yeshuos, Nechamos, for Achenu Beis Yisrael. We, Baruch Hashem, begin this month of Adar. Rosh Chodesh is today and tomorrow, and we begin this month with a beautiful announcement of Simcha for our host, Nachum Siegel, and his wife, Stacy, who Baruch Hashem was to become grandparents this week with the birth of a baby boy to their children, Binyamin and Kayla, and we wish them that they should be Zolcha, Lachniso, Bevriso, Shlavrama, Vino, Bismano, and they should be, please God, Simchas in all our families. Okay, a lot to do this morning. Parshas Mishpatim is a very rich parsha. According to the Chinuch, it contains no less than 53 mitzvos, 23 positive mitzvos, and 30 restrictions. And so much of our Torah Shabbat our oral law, is based upon Parshas Mishpatim. Interesting to note, the first mitzvah that we find and is listed in Parshas Mishpatim is that of the Evid Ivri. And this would probably be the first, even though probably almost every mitzvah in this week's Parsha is different from that of what we would find in society. A man steals, unfortunately. Okay, and now, what do we do? If he can afford to pay back, fine. But if he cannot afford to pay back, what is done? So, in many societies, including that of the United States, the person would be thrown into jail. Number one, the person from whom he stole is no better. He doesn't get his money back. Number two, who is he in jail with? His, quote, friends in jail are the criminals, and they're going to teach him, oh my goodness, you did it this way, you should have done it another way. So there is no real chance for rehabilitation when the person is in jail. Look at our Torah HaKadosha. Look at the Torah and how incredible, advanced it is, almost idyllic. And what do we find? 
I take back the word almost. What does that mean? The Torah says that rather than put the thief in jail, we quote, sell the thief to another Jew. What does that mean? It means that the Bezdin, Jewish court of law, sells the thief. Now the term sell is a misnomer. The person who, quote, purchases is really like he is renting him for the period of six years. What does that mean? It means that, take a simple uh, number just that we can understand it better. A person stole, let's say, $60,000, and he doesn't have the money to pay it back. So the Bezdin sells the thief to another Jew who takes him into his home. And during the course of the next six years, the thief sees a beautiful home environment. He sees a home of Torah mitzvot. He sees how nicely the uh, family get along one with another. He sees a beautiful Shabbos and Yom Tov. And over the course of the years, he says, Whoa, this is the kind of life that I would like for myself. So, number one, the thief becomes rehabilitated. Number two, the court who sold the thief, the money that they get goes to the Nignav, the one from whom the money was stolen. So now he's happy as well. And the idea is that the Gemara, the first chapter of Kedushin, actually tells us that when a person acquires the Eved Ivri, the Hebrew servant, it's like he's acquired a master for himself because it's the responsibility of the one who purchased him to afford the thief great honor, great dignity, to build him up. Clearly, what caused him to steal was because, unfortunately, he is depressed, had a low self-image of himself, and now he becomes transformed. The Talmud gives the following example, that uh, the thief has his room in the house, unexpected company comes, and uh, the host is short a pillow. You would have thought he would go to the Evidivri and say, I need your pillow for tonight, and the answer is no. He takes it from one of his children. The evidivery keeps his pillow. There's a barbecue, and more people showed up. So the host says to his children, take the hamburgers and leave the steak for the guests. He says that to his children. He does not say it to the evidivery. Whoa. When we say every day in Psuke de Zimra, lo asachim goi, umishpatim, which means that Kodesh Baruch Hu did not do the same to any other people, okay? But 
and this is from Psalm 147, the conclusion. He did not do so for any other nation. Such judgments, they know them not. That's exactly correct. They have law courts, and they have various laws on their books, but they don't come anywhere near the way the Jewish law literally uplifts and is concerned about the dignity of man. When it comes to Dalit Vehei, later on in the Parsha, incredible. The Talmud says, the Torah just says if a man steals a sheep and he either sells it or slaughters it, he has to pay four times the amount of the sheep. And if he steals an ox, he pays five times. Now, the Torah doesn't say why, but Rabbi Yochanan in the Gemara Babakama teaches us, do you want to know why? The Torah was concerned even about the dignity of the thief. The thief who steals an ox, it's very simple, very commonplace. The ox was like the SUV of yesteryear. It was for transporting. To pull an ox in the street is not embarrassing. When one steals a sheep, one has to carry the sheep on his shoulder as he runs away with it. That act in of itself of humiliation, of carrying the thief, is taken into consideration, not to be believed. Okay, I want to share with you, as a kind of um, corroboration of this idea, later on in the Parsha, in chapter 23, verse 4 and verse 5. The Torah speaks of, should you encounter the ox of your enemy or his donkey, which is lost, the Torah says, unlike your immediate instinct, which would probably be good for him, and let him have the loss of his animal, the Torah says, no, or shave Tishivenu Lo. You are to return it to him. And the next verse, Kisarechamor Should you encounter the donkey of your enemy, which is unfortunately now under its load, the load has tilted and is falling, the Chodalta, and your natural instinct is not to help him, says the Torah, Ozov Tazov Imo, you are to help him. Now, this is number one part of what Rav Hirsch says that the Torah teaches in the extreme. Now, there is in the Makrokos Kedolos a commentary called Mosav Rashi an extension of the Rashi that we have, which is a collection of Rashi from really all over. And what do we find? He says something fantastic. He says that the Torah doesn't have to write that if you encounter the ox of your good friend, that you should obviously return it to him. This is understandable. And this we learn out from a Kalva Homer. And therefore, if I have to return the ox of an enemy, and all the more so, my good friend, I have to return. Interestingly, he says, we can't learn from here that 
if my ox of my enemy and the ox of my friend are both there and need to be returned, that I can return the ox of my friend? The answer is no. Since it comes from the Kalvachomer, it can't be greater than the source, and therefore you would have to tend to the ox of your enemy as opposed to the ox of your friend. As the Gemara teaches in the second parak of Baba Metziah, Mokuf Es Yitzro, in order to change your nature from unfortunately as being your enemy to one that you now have a friendship with. By your doing this to him, as we say, please God, tonight in Kabbalah Shabbos, Ator Konanto Meshorim Hashem, through his laws of Torah, you have made us into good people. I'd like to share, however, with you who is this enemy? The Torah says, Lo sisno is You're not to have an enemy. You're supposed to tell somebody if they're doing something wrong. So the Gemara says, the nature of this enemy is one who unfortunately is not yet keeping Torah mitzvahs. So the Torah is teaching us here, through the mitzvah of, on the one hand, the Shabbos Aveda, and on the other hand, Prikotina, helping somebody whose, whose load has fallen off and what's going to be painful to the animal and a financial loss, the Torah says you must step in even if he's not exactly on the same level as you, just the opposite. There is this element of Kirov. There is this element of one Jew being responsible for another. This is, with pride, the essence of Jewish law. Jewish law is not only to maintain, quote, law and order, or, as Robert Frost told us, what the American society is, good fences make good neighbors, as long as one person doesn't disturb the next one, then that's fine. That is just the opposite of Jewish law. Jewish law says we are responsible one for another. Jewish law says that we, through the mishpatim, we become greater people. Through the mishpatim, we call Yisrael arivim, zelozeh. Each Jew is responsible for another, but as the Hasidish Rebbe, Rebbe Naftali of Ripchitz, says, Kol Yisrael Arevin, one Jew sweetens the other, like Kikolech Arev in Shira Shira. What a beautiful understanding of Jewish law, and once again, how proud we are to be a Jew. Good Chodesh to Good Shabbos to all, and where we may we be merited to live by these beautiful laws unique to Judaism called Mishpatim. Shabbat Shalom and Good Chodesh to all.